Good morning. Let's stand together as we find our place and sing out, worship the Lord through song this morning. As we sing out, I will sing of my Redeemer. Let's sing this out together. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered, from the curse to set me free. for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. Our quarterly member meeting is scheduled for after morning worship today. We hope you will stay and help us celebrate God's blessing on FBC Wixom. Community groups continue tonight at 5 p.m. If you are not yet connected with the Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Also, don't forget that you can contribute to FBC's Operation Christmas Child Fund all throughout the year. This fund is used to purchase materials and to ship boxes in the fall. You can make a big difference for children all over the world with your gifts. We have scheduled a baptismal service Sunday, March 12th. Please see Pastor Brad if you would like to be baptized or if you have any questions. The Truth Tracker Grand Prix is coming up on Saturday, March 4th from 12 to 3.30 p.m. In preparation for this event, there will be a pit party on Saturday, February 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. where you can use various tools and equipment to make your racing vehicle with the help of our volunteers. This event is open to all children, teens, and adults, and we encourage you to invite your friends and family to participate in both events. If you have any further questions, please see Mike Murdy or Johnny Martin after the morning gathering. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade at the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, 
play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you could fill out a connection card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Great to have you here today. Um, we're having a great time in our Starting Points Sunday School class. Uh, we just did lesson number four of five. Next week is our final uh, Starting Points Sunday School class for this segment. And ministry leaders, uh, you might remember that on lesson number five, we like to invite ministry leaders to come at 10 after 10 to be introduced and to answer questions. And so we'll send an email to that regard. But if you are a ministry leader here at First Baptist Church, you head up an area of ministry, you're invited to starting points at 1010 uh, next Sunday morning. We want to introduce you and uh, allow people to ask, ask questions that they might have about your area of ministry. It's fun for us today to have some of our oldest and dearest friends, uh, Michelle and Scott Ice. Scott served on our leadership team as our school administrator for five years, and it's great to have them here. Scott, wherever you're at, there you are. Come on up and lead us in prayer this morning. Ask God to bless our time together today as we worship him. Glad to have you and Michelle here today. Good to see you, man. Morning, church family. We are grateful to be here. This is where we forged friendships lifetime friendships and raised our kids and so it's just a true blessing to be here and worship with you this morning let's pray heavenly father lord we thank you for the opportunity to come and be able to be for um, come before your throne this morning and ask you to just bless our time lord as the word is spoken that you'll help our hearts to be open lord we're so thankful for the gospel thank you for the fact that This message, this good news, protects us, causes us to love each other, transforms our lives, liberates us from self-love, and increases our love for you, Lord. And we're so grateful for that. So, Lord, help our hearts to be open, not only to the preaching of your word, but as we spend even more time here this morning worshiping you through song, and that we may walk out of here energized to be able to show the love of Christ uh, to others. And we praise in your name. Amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord through song, emphasizing the fact that we can hide in Christ. Let's sing this out together. How wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. How wonderful Savior to me.
so thankful for that truth this morning. We're going to be emphasizing through the book of Psalms this morning the fact that God is our deliverer. And I think about songs like that, the fact that he holds us in his hand. We have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about, because the sovereign, omnipotent God is over all and is working all things for our good and his glory. I'm so thankful that the Lord is our true means of salvation. Let's sing this out this morning. Wonderful truth. You can be seated. I'd like to read to you a, a passage in the book of Psalm 55 this morning. And in this psalm, David mentions a betrayal of a close friend, and he's expecting an attack. He's in great distress, pleading for God to hear his prayer and to rescue him. He recognizes that God is his faithful Deliverer. And we read this in verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Even in the midst of persecution and heartbreak, David knew in the end he could fully rely and trust on his deliverer, the Lord his God. 
David had full confidence that God could and would deliver him from the situation. So I want to encourage you this morning, as, long as, as well as challenge myself. Listen, we're all dealing with struggles in our life. We're dealing with difficulties. We're dealing with sin issues. We're dealing with outside forces trying to tear down our testimony for the Lord. So wherever you are this morning, I want to encourage you as, we, as I get ready to sing this song. It says, come to the altar. And the altar is an Old Testament picture, right? It's this picture of bringing everything to God and just sacrificing it before him because he's worthy. And even though we're not necessarily going to build a, a, you know, this big picture up here this morning, the picture is true. The illustration is true for us as New Testament saints is that we can come to the altar and lay everything at the feet of Jesus. He's worthy. You got sin issues? Bring them to Jesus. You got persecution this morning? Totally real. He understands. Bring it to Jesus. Let's come to the altar.
Jeremy. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 20, Psalm number 20. We've been talking on Sunday mornings about the character of God in this series of messages that we've entitled Albums of Worship. And I've told you each Sunday morning that this is really a theology. A theology is a study of God that answers two questions. And those two questions are, number one, who is God or what is God like? And then secondly, what should I do about it? What is God like and what should I do about it? And last Sunday morning, we were on the subject that God is the creator of the universe in Psalm number eight. And that is a fairly easy thing to praise God for, right? The Psalm 150 is where we began and we talked about that definition of praise that Psalm 150 gives us. And it basically says this, that, that praise is applauding the things that God does and the character that God is. You think about things that God does, there's nothing quite as mind-blowing, I think, as creation. We can worship Him and praise Him and applaud Him for that. But remember last week, the amazing truth of the second half of the psalm? Not only is God creator of the universe, but He's mindful of humanity. Just an incredible mind-blowing truth, a mind-blowing gospel reality. As creator, he is possessor of everything. He is preeminent. He has the power to help me. But he is praiseworthy, not only because he has created everything, but because he also is mindful of me. Just an incredible truth to worship God for. This morning, as Jeremy mentioned, we're going to think on this truth that our God is the deliverer. Our God is the deliverer. Psalm number 20. Now, I just want to set the stage with you for just a second that David is getting ready for battle. Many scholars would agree that this is kind of the background of the psalm, even though it doesn't say it in here. It seems as though David is preparing for a major undertaking, probably a battle. And so just imagine with me for just a second that David is at the temple and he's got Everything's set to go. He's armed. He is, um, he's got his men, his mighty men there. He's got a battle plan. And so he goes to, at the time, the sanctuary, the, the tabernacle of God. He goes and he's getting ready to kneel down to pray. And he says to the people, listen, as I pray, there's something I want you to pray. As I pray, there's something I want you to sing. And then when I get done praying, when I come back out, I want to worship God together, okay? And so he hands out maybe what we would think of as, you know, sheets of lyrics for everybody. Here's what I want you to pray. Here's what I want you to sing with me. That's kind of the background of this psalm. Listen, would you, as I read Psalm 20 this morning. It says this, the Lord hear thee. Now remember, this is what he's asked the people to pray for him. The Lord hear thee, David, in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. And now as David finishes and comes out of the tabernacle, 
They together worship as he says, now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save Lord. Let the king hear us when we call or some translations have the punctuation just a little bit different that says, save the king, Lord. Hear us when we call. There is rich truth in this passage for us this morning. Let's pray before we get into it. Father, we're grateful that we can learn from your truth. We're so grateful that we can lift up our Savior this morning in worship. We're so grateful that we can come to the altar. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we are welcomed into your presence. Lord, we don't deserve that, but we're grateful for it. And we ask that you'd help us to feast on your truth today and take home with us the truths that you want us to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I had a major appliance breakdown and I was told it was going to cost thousands to replace it. And so I called a friend in the church here and I said, hey, do you know anybody in this particular field that could help me? And he goes, actually, I do. I've got a friend who will take care of you. And I said, okay, is, that, is it okay if I, if I have his number? Can I get his contact from him? He said, yeah, here you go. So he gave me this guy's phone number and he said, listen, if he doesn't take care of you, you let me know because this guy is one of the best guys I know in this field and he will, he'll treat you right. He'll be very fair with you. And so I called him. And this guy came out, and this appliance that was going to cost me thousands to have replaced, he came out and literally in 15 minutes had it working, my old one, had it working just fine, okay? What a great recommendation, huh? So I called my friend, and I said, hey, you just saved me a couple thousand bucks. I mean, that was awesome. Your buddy came out and fixed it, and that thing ran for another seven or eight years after that. It was just amazing. That kind of recommendation gets passed on in my world, you know what I'm saying? So every time somebody would say, hey, I got this problem going on, I'd be like, oh, hey, I know a guy you should call. Because when I called him, he answered and he came through and he delivered. This morning, this is exactly what David is telling the people. He's saying this, listen, I have tested out the Lord. And it doesn't matter what kind of difficulty I've been in, the Lord has always remained Faithful. Every time God has come through, it hasn't mattered whether I was facing a bear or a lion or a giant or a jealous king or friends who betrayed me. It did not matter. Every single time God came through and delivered. And so David, as he approaches the tabernacle, he makes a recommendation to his friends, to his people. And he says, listen, because of God's faithfulness, here's how you should pray with me. And here's how you should praise with me. And so David, he's kneeling here at the tabernacle and he's imploring his people how to pray and how to praise. How to pray and how to praise. I want you just to see a very simple outline this morning. Number one, the prayer for deliverance. Again, probably intended as a corporate prayer for the people as David was praying in the tabernacle. This is a great prayer. Specifically, David asking people to pray on his behalf. And we learn from this, I think, how to pray for one another, for our kids 
and for our leaders. And by the way, before we get into the prayer, can I just remind you that asking someone to pray for you is a noble request. I'm sometimes amazed at how people hesitate to ask for prayer. And I think there's one word getting in their way. Pride. Right? Because when I say I don't need prayer, what I'm saying is I can handle this. I got this. I'm a big I, capital I, independent, if you haven't heard. And I don't need your prayer. Really, it is just, I think, prideful when we... When we respond to prayer that way, here's David, the, the warrior king, the boy warrior, the brave one that goes after Goliath, right? And he says this, listen, before I go to prayer, I want you people to pray for me. It's okay for us to use Bible prayers as patterns, wouldn't you agree? Do you think you can learn from Bible prayers? Let me give you just a couple of them. A few of these are actually in our prayer bulletin. On the bottom of page one of the prayer bulletin, you may have never seen this before, but it says biblical prayer for the members of FBCW. And it has a couple of quotes or paraphrases from Philippians chapter one and Colossians chapter one. Let me give you a couple of these. Here's Ephesians chapter one. Paul is praying for the believers and he says that God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us. Wow, that's some awesome things to pray for. Here's Ephesians chapter 3, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of of God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Colossians chapter 1, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, wherefore also we pray always for you. That our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That sounds a little different than some of our prayer requests. Are you with me? I mean, there's nothing wrong with bringing our needs to the Lord, but usually if we think really, really hard, we can come up with somebody we know who's got some kind of ailment that we can pray for. And the whole reason that this is in our prayer bulletin is that I can say, you know what, I I, I could pray these nine things in the prayer bulletin. I could pray those for the kids in the school. I could pray those for our teenagers. I could pray those for our deacons and elders and pastoral leadership team and my Sunday school teacher I could pray these for my friends. I could pray these for my children, for my wife. I mean, these are biblical requests to bring before the Lord on behalf 
of the people that I love. We certainly learn much about how to pray from Scripture. And let's just be honest, those that prayed in Scripture were way better at praying than we are, right? I mean, we tend to kind of repeat the same things over and over and not really get to the heart of the matter. There's, there's, a, there's a guy in the church that I love praying with, and the reason I love praying with him is because I always hear Scripture every time, just over and over and over, Scripture just making its way into prayer. And I think that's how it should be. So if you're wondering what or how to pray, try a psalm. Here's David telling the people, this is what you should be praying for me as I am here meeting with God. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Name of the God of Jacob defend thee and send thee help from God's presence, the sanctuary, and strengthen thee and accept your burnt sacrifice and grant your desires. Let's just look at these individually for just a second. Number one, may the Lord hear your cries. Think about that for just a second. What is David asking the people to pray for him? I'm praying, David, that God will hear your prayer. I mean, he literally has a group of people praying that God will hear his prayer. It seems a bit redundant, doesn't it? But it begs a question, when you pray, does God hear you? Does God hear you? Does God hear me when I pray? That's a really great question because the New Testament actually teaches us that God does not hear some people. Did you know that? Does not hear them. Let me give you a couple of truths from the New Testament. I will not give you the verses, but the references, if you'd like to jot them down. James 1, 7 and 8 says, God hears those who pray in faith. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that God hears those who abide in his word. 1 John chapter 5, God hears those that pray according to his will. Now it's going to get a little bit tougher, okay? Hang with me. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says God only hears people who love Did you know that if your spiritual gift is hatred, just everybody's stupid and I'm grumpy all the time, God's not hearing you. Luke chapter 18, God hears those that humble themselves. Remember what Jesus said, the Pharisee who was proud, God didn't even hear him. James chapter four, verse three, God hears those that pray unselfishly. And lastly, guys, men that honor their wife, God hears them. First Peter Chapter 3. Here's what David was saying. Hey, pray that my life would be in such order that when I pray, God hears me. What a great thing to pray for each other, right? Because there's so many implications. If I say for a Christian brother, Lord, I want this Christian brother when he prays for you to hear him. What I'm actually saying is, Lord, I want his life to be in order that when he speaks, you Listen, may the Lord hear your cries. Number two, may the Lord defend your cause. David had mighty men to defend him. Have you ever thought about that? That must have been kind of cool. I was at a large church one time where the pastor had mighty men. You know what I'm saying? Like he came walking in the side door like this door over here and there was a great big burly dude in front of him and a great big burly dude behind him. Like, oh, those are his mighty men. He's got bodyguards. I always thought that would be cool. But you got to be pretty important to have bodyguards, right? So David, 
David was pretty important. He had these mighty men, these bodyguards around him. And yet, here's what he said to the people. Pray that God would be my defense. I don't care about these burly dudes around me. I want the Lord next to me. It reminds me of Paul. Remember Paul at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4 when we were kind of drawing to the end of the pastoral epistles and the end of Paul's life? And he said, at the very end, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. However, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Remember, Paul is standing on trial and he's alone. He looks around and there's not a single friendly face in the room. And then he realizes, Jesus, you're right here beside me. You are my defense. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong, how? In the Lord and in the power of his might. It is so easy for us to think we don't need help. And can I just graciously tell you something? If David needed help, you do too. David says, please pray that the Lord will defend my cause. Number three, may the Lord help your need. May the Lord help your need. Now, here's the scene that David is painting as he says, send the help from the sanctuary. What's the sanctuary? Well, this is God's presence. And I think what David has in mind is this. Just imagine with me for just a second that you see Jerusalem up on the mount, Mount Zion, this elevated city, this walled city. And David is down in the valley and he's fighting away at whatever campaign he happens to be on. He's fighting away and he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I need some help. Lord, send help from the sanctuary. And he turns and he looks And it's as if, in David's mind, the gates of Jerusalem burst open. And here comes this massive army. And they are, they're armed to the teeth, right? Swords raised, horses charging, not in judgment, but in deliverance. It's like a, an ancient extraction team, right? He says, Lord, you see me, I'm struggling, send some help. And the Lord opens the gates of Jerusalem and sends help. No matter how scary this gets, David said, I have a plan. And the plan is, I'm going to call on God. That's an amazing plan because that plan is still the plan in the New Testament. Did you know that? It's still the plan. Centuries later, we read that Jesus says, hey, when you have daily needs, bring them to me. Your father knows what needs you have before you ask him, but go ahead and ask. I'll meet those needs. James reminds us to ask God for wisdom and that every good gift comes from God. Pray that the Lord would meet my needs, David says. Number four, may the Lord strengthen your heart and your hands. Paul prayed this for the church in Colossians 1. I read it a few minutes ago, that you might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. That's kind of an interesting verse. He says, as you experience the power of God in your life, you will increase in patience and long-suffering and joy. One of those missing elements often in people's lives. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Fifthly, may the Lord accept your worship. Again, it begs a question. Are you serious? Sometimes we worship and God doesn't accept it. 
That is absolutely true. Remember all the way back in the beginning of Genesis, Cain and Abel come to the Lord with their sacrifice and they say, Lord, we want to worship you. And God accepts Abel's sacrifice and he rejects Cain. Why does he reject Cain's worship? He didn't like that style. He didn't like what he was wearing. No, he didn't accept Cain's worship because of disobedience. He wanted Cain to obey. It's as if God said, look, when you come to me, if you've disobeyed my commands, I can't even hear you. I can't even hear you. Of course, we see this repeated all throughout Scripture. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where Saul wants to make this great sacrifice to God of all of these beautiful animals that he stole from the Amalekites. And God had said, I want you to kill all of them. And Saul said, I got a better plan, Lord. I'll get them and bring them back to Jerusalem and we'll have a big worship party. And what did God say to Saul through Samuel? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. Paul or Saul, I want you to pay attention when I speak. I want you to obey. And, and for, there's a modern application for us here. Like, I can come in and really be moved by the musicians singing and playing. I can have my heart lifted up in praise like, wow, God is amazing. God is awesome. And as I sit here in worship, God looks down and says, I've got nothing from you. Because all week this week, you disobeyed me time and time and time and time again. You disobey, I can't hear your worship. You disobey, your sacrifice is worth nothing to me. This is again an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, Saul says, I, I, or Paul says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Your sacrifice needs to be holy. Your body, your life needs to be pure. Hebrews 13 verse 15. By him therefore, by Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Jesus said in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What are these verses telling us? God does not want religious ritual. Oftentimes Christians will pat themselves on the back and say, man, I really did God a favor. Like I was in church this week. Isn't God lucky? I made a big sacrifice. I got up early on Super Bowl Sunday. I came to church. It's amazing that God has me, you know, and with this pride. But but there's more like anything I do throughout the week that I, you know, I get something sort of right. I'm like, wow, I'm really nailing it. Right. And and what he says here is, I don't want your ritual. I don't want your religiosity. I want your obedience. I want your heart. I want your praise. This prayer that God would accept worship has big implications. It's like the prayer for prayer. If I pray for you, Lord, would you hear their prayers? That has a lot of implications. But if I pray for you, Lord, would you accept their worship? That has a lot of implications as well. Lastly, may the Lord grant your desires. 
Psalm 37 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I'm stealing a little bit from Johnny's message for next Sunday. But the Lord does things for people that commit their way to him. That delight in him. You might read that verse and say, wow, that's awesome. I get whatever I want. I mean, it says I get the desires of my heart. But what he really says is when I delight in him and his way, he'll change my desires to be in line with his will. Right? Because what do I usually delight in when I pray? Think about your prayers for just a second. What do we usually delight in? Getting what we want. I delight in my desires. But that's not what he says to do. He says delight in the Lord. It's the Lord I should delight in. Psalm 1, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. It's that man that will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit, having leaves not withering. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. But he has to delight in me. He has to delight in my word. Good gifts do come from above. And God knows how to get good gifts. But he does it for those who delight in him. May the Lord grant your desires. So can I just just look at that list for just a second? Can I ask you, could you use this? As a way, as a pattern for prayer. I, I was mentioned to somebody recently, hey, I prayed a psalm for you. And they were like, eh, it's kind of Old Testament. Like, I don't know, is that a, is that a thing? Like, yeah, it's a thing. Like David, the man after God's own heart, said, pray for me this way. And so I feel like I can pray for you that way as a friend, and that's a good way. to. That's, that's probably better than bless them and hope they have a good day. Bye. That's how we usually pray. But rather to say, Lord, would you make their life in such a way that you hear them when they pray? Would you defend their cause, and would you give them your desires and help them to follow your will and fall in love with your word? Would you strengthen their life spiritually? I mean, I, wait, if somebody told me that's how they were praying for me, I would jump up and down. That sounds awesome. How about praying this for your leaders? That's the immediate context here. Or for one another or for your children. David wanted his people to pray for him. But I want you to notice one more thing, and it's the second part. He said, I don't want you to just to pray, but I want you to pray ready to praise. Pray ready to praise. Do you come in here into this room ready to praise? Do you? Some of you do. I know you do. Some of you do because you've been reading Psalm 20 every day this week and you came in pretty stoked because you had a pretty good idea of what the message would be about and how great God is. Some of you, every time a song comes up on the screen, you're like, I love that one. That one lifts up Jesus. I hope we really sing that one out today. I wonder what Jeremy's going to sing in closing today. I just want to worship. I was telling you that Mari and I recently had an experience of, of being in a church service where we were like that. We came in like, I'm fired up. I can't wait. I don't have to preach today. I get to listen to the word of God. This is going to be great. It wasn't all that great. You know? 
Hopefully, when you come in here, you see others who are like you and they say, hey, I want to worship. I want to praise. I want to get this going because I want to lift up Jesus. And this is exactly what David says. I want you to pray in such a way that you're ready to rejoice. Here's verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation. Again, this is the people. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. So in medieval times, banners or flags literally represented your allegiance to your Lord, to your master, to your knight or to your king. There was such a thing, I'm told, called bachelor knights or knight bachelors who didn't really have any followers. Nobody was um, loyal to them. Nobody was following them. Nobody was willing to give their lives to them. But then there were knights called knight bannerets and the knight bannerets had people with flags. And the flag said, I'm carrying this flag for that guy. I'll die for that guy. I'm one of his followers. This is kind of the idea here. The body of Christ is incredibly diverse, but we're united under a single banner. And here's what the single banner says. God is great. That's what it says. It's the same thing that's on the back walls and on the doors as you came in. The banner is he should be lifted up. He's worthy of worship. Psalm 150. Let all creation praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That is what's on our banner. That's what's on our flag. So here's what David is saying. He says, pray expecting to set up a banner saying, God answered my prayer. That's what he's saying. It's sort of like at a football game. I'm not really into cheerleading, but I know they exist. Okay, there's cheerleaders. So cheerleaders are ready to go when there's a touchdown or something awesome happens, right? They're ready to, they all know what they're going to do. Hey, when the touchdown is scored, we're going to do the, you know, one, two, three, kick him in the knee cheer. Okay, we're going to do that one, right? So they all, they're all ready to go. It's like the band, right? You go to a college football game, the band, when a touchdown is scored, they don't have to go, okay, everybody, ready? Touchdown song. Get it tuned up. Ready? Touchdown song. Okay, here we go. That's not what they do. As soon as the touchdown scored, da 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 right? The band is ready to praise the touchdown. They're ready to applaud the touchdown. So here's what David is saying to these people. When you pray, when you kneel down, when you're imploring God on my behalf, have this in the back of your head that you need to turn around pretty quick, grab a flag and say, God is so good. God answers these prayers. God is my salvation. So I was just thinking this week, like, what does God save from? What does he deliver from? There's some pretty obvious ones, and then there's one I want to suggest that's maybe not quite so obvious. But but God delivers from the effects of the curse, I think this is what David was talking about. I live in a cursed world, Lord, where I have enemies. I got problems. We've got disease. I'm getting older. I don't feel like going out and fighting. Right? I live in this cursed world and I need your grace. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Jesus responded to him, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So the effects of the curse and then the cause of the curse... 
That is sin. God delivers from sin. This happened through Jesus on the cross. And praise God for that. The gospel message that you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to be a slave to your sin. You don't have to die for your own sin. Jesus did that for you. So God saves from not just the curse of sin, but sin itself. But here's the third thing, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this too much, but God saves or delivers from our own human reasoning. And that is really big. I think it's actually maybe one of the most underappreciated benefits of the gospel. I don't have to come up with the answer. I don't have to be smart enough to figure out God. I don't have to do that. I don't have to be smart enough to figure out anything, actually. I just need to be able to read the Bible. It's got all of the answers for life. And also, I don't have to make life about me. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of who? God and his righteousness. I don't have to make life all about me. And there is great freedom in that. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. And so he saves us from sin and he saves us from the curse, but he also saves us from our own human reasoning. I think we usually think a little too narrow about salvation, like soul salvation, especially from hell. But it's much bigger than that. And you can rejoice in God's salvation. So one of the conclusions today is going to come back to this. I want you to think about the different ways that God delivers. Number two, we will trust in God to hear us and to deliver us. Verse number six, now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. David is claiming this for himself. But the principle is true for all of us. Just like David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when he stood before Goliath and he said, the Lord is fighting my battle. You come to me with a sword and a shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord God. God hears from heaven when his people call. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing then we have such a great high priest passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 is one of those passages that when you read it, it sounds so poetic that you just, it just kind of blends together and we forget what he's saying. Here's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Because you have Jesus, because you have Jesus, when you pray, he hears you and he will deliver you whenever you have need. Whenever you need grace, whenever you need mercy, he's your high priest and he hears you. So pray, believing that he will hear and deliver. And then lastly, remember the unchanging character of God. Remember the unchanging character of God. Look at verse number seven. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We'll not trust in the wrong things. Hey, can I just tell you, church, can I implore you? Don't trust, don't have confidence in human reasoning. Don't have confidence in human resources. Don't have confidence in human wisdom. Put your confidence in the name of the Lord. Well, what is the name of the Lord? I mean, think about that for just a second. What He said, we will remember the name of the Lord. I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I don't think what David was saying was, 
Like I keep forgetting Yahweh. So I just, when I'm going through trouble, I'm just going to say Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. That's not what he's saying. I'm not going to rehearse the actual personal name of God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I want to remember the character of God. The character of God. I I was just reading in Ezekiel chapter 36. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord says this. I am going to bring down judgment on the nations around Israel. And I'm not going to do it because they picked on my people. That's not it at all. I'm going to bring down judgment on the nations around Israel because they blasphemed my name. And my name must be protected. So what is God saying? He he wasn't necessarily, I don't think, saying that they were using the name of God incorrectly. What he was saying was they were defaming his character. Who is God? He obviously can't protect his people. Who's this Yahweh? Is he really God? Is he really creator? They were blaspheming the name of God. And God said, I will protect my name. So what David is saying here is, I'm not remembering what God is called. He says, I'm remembering who God is, what he does. Or in other words, David, as he's going through trouble, is saying things like this. I remember God is worthy. I remember God is my advocate. See if any of these... Ring a bell. I remember God is my blesser. I remember that God is close to me. I remember that God is my counselor. I remember that God is creator. And more and more and more. Right? David is saying, I will remember who God is. And I will praise him for these things. So what do we do? What is the timeless characteristic of God in this psalm? Well, it's found in verse 6. He's the savior. He's the deliverer. And those that run to him will not be left defenseless. So what should we do? Two things. Number one, pray biblically for you and for others this week. I was telling our staff guys this morning, one of the challenges with preaching the Psalms every single week is making sure that it's not redundant, right? So... You understand, God is great and God is worthy to be praised. But after a while, that message starts to fall on deaf ears, right? God is great, God is worthy to be praised. So every single time we come to a psalm, we want to come away with something I can do tomorrow. What can I do with this? What can I do with Psalm number 20? And I'll just tell you, I think the right thing to do with Psalm number 20 is learn to pray more biblically. Learn to pray more Biblically, use a biblical model as you pray this week. This is an area I know for sure we need some work. Pray biblically. Psalms are great for this. The prayers of Paul are great for this. And then secondly, rejoice in his salvation and remember his character. Here'd be something good to do, not because it's our series of messages here, but because it remembers the name of God Keep an active running list of the characteristics of God we're talking about. Maybe stick it on your refrigerator. He is worthy. He is advocate. He is blesser. He is close. He is counselor. He is creator. And because of these things, I'm going to praise my God. And I'm going to set up some banners knowing that he will answer my prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for teaching us how to approach you. Lord, this morning we want to lift up your name. May it never be said that the name of God is dishonored here. Lord, would you help us 
to not only emulate your character, but worship it and remember what a great God you are. Help us to learn this week to learn to better pray and to better praise the Deliverer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we mentioned last week, we're going to close services throughout the month of February singing this anthem, The Lord Almighty Reigns, based off of Psalm 93. Let's stand together as we close with this. for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven, in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.